mics are we rocking? I have so many questions for you guys. <laughs> I hope that's okay. But you were saying, you're talking about um, our team that we have. Yeah. And it seems like you guys have a cool team. A one-man band. And I'm, yeah, <laughs> it's just cool me. Team. I feel like uh, the other day I was in Union Square, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen this guy, but he's got like all the instruments on him. He's oh, yeah. got like a bass drum on yep. his back, and yep. then he's got a bunch of different kinds of like... Um, things strapped to him, his arms and legs and stuff. So if he like bends his knee, it's a snare. And if he kicks his left foot, it's a cymbal crash. Yep. And then he's got the guitar. And then if he moves his elbow back and forth, it activates the washboard. Do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, I Have do. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. seen him, yes, yes. I kind of feel like that guy. Well, we didn't expect to do this. Uh, we had teased one more episode of the Elemental Podcast. Uh, but we had such a great conversation with Matthew Levy Chavez um, that we split it up into two. Because uh, it's so good. Because it's so good. We had a good talk and we rambled so much. So we got to put it on a separate episode for y'all. Um, and I also like, I love symmetry and the fact that we began our series with the prologue about um, your project, um, The Wall in, in Union Square. Um, that why not make this the epilogue? Um, and so uh, here we are. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> here we are. Uh, so we're back again uh, with Matthew Levy Chavez, who goes by Levy um, when you're in performance. And importantly, right up at the front, uh, we need to slate uh, that you have a book coming out in October. I do. And um, it's called fun. Signs of Hope Messages from Subway Therapy. And that's going to be out on October 24th. And if you'd like any more information about that, you can go to subwaytherapy.com or you can check me out on Instagram at subwaytherapy. Great. Awesome. That's a better, yeah. a better plug than I, <laughs> than I have prepared. So Just thank you. Just let me. <laughs> so, you know, after the election, Subway Therapy, the project that I'd been doing, where I sit at a table, two chairs, and I set up some wall art because every good therapist's office should have some wall art. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I was doing that for nine months or so uh, before a lot of people cared or noticed. And then after the election, it was kind of a bright representation of how people were feeling in New York. And so it was covered by all the big media groups, and it went viral on social media. And basically it went from having a hundred photos with hashtag subway therapy in a nine-month period to having 10,000 right. in, wow. in like months. Thinking back on it, it's very strange. But um, because of all of that attention and mm -hmm. hype and virality, I guess, um, I attracted the attention of publishers to make a book. And uh, I ended up getting an agent uh, a publishing agent who's great, EFOT, and uh, through Foundry Media, Foundry Literary and Media. And uh, I have a two-book deal through Bloomsbury, and that's probably one of the biggest forms of um, money that I have right now. And then I've done speaking gigs. I did an event with a sponsor. I've done exhibition at a variety of different places. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And luckily, all of those things have paid money. 
So I, I'm yeah. the subway therapist full time now. <laughs> and even when subway therapy was yeah. blowing up, people would come up to me and they would say, congratulations. And I always thought that was a strange thing to say. Mm-hmm. Because I, congratulations about what? Like being successful or sure, yeah. you know, people right. caring. You know, like it's so uncommon for people to care about art or an artist that people say congratulations. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe I guess it's in, it, in all the field, like in sports, you'd have the same thing. Like after a big game, you know, the yeah. play, some players being interviewed and the yeah. interviewer is like, oh, congratulations on your victory. You know, but I don't really see it as a victory. And so well, I always, do we not have the language for it? I mean, this, right. I, I would say you're kind of virally famous in, in some way, virally yeah. successful in some way. Sure. Um, and I, it's such a new idea that someone can, in earnest, go and do something yeah. <laughs> that they feel really passionately about. And yeah. someone takes a picture of it, and then a second picture is taken, and then eventually it becomes a hashtag. And right. then whoever right, right. you are becomes known to people. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder if like, we don't quite know what language to use around what that means yet, because I don't know that you necessarily made it viral. The world made it viral. Right, there was yeah. Nothing yeah. That, about what you, you were doing, you had been doing this. Yeah, I was just there. Um, I, I think yeah. I set up a structure. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. when people needed it, it was there. Yeah. And, and uh, I don't know. In some ways, I think like New York just kind of picked it, and that's really cool. I don't know if you'd say congratulations about that, though. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess when I say that, I agree. I think that we don't have a language for this, these kinds of moments because even me as a performer after my shows, it's like it's always that weird conversation that you have with people. But um, I think say, it's, did you like the show? And you're like, I mean, come on. It's the lobby after yeah. the show. What am I going to say? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, right. yeah. You know, I, I had this really funny experience because I – was in the subway, walking back from doing subway therapy. And there was two, there were two people like belting it out, singing. And I don't remember what they were singing, but they were just belting, just as loud as they could sing, singing. And I walked by them, and then there were these two other people who were talking about the singers, and they were like, man, they are going at it. They must be trying to get discovered. <laughs> and I, I was sitting in one of my subway therapy chairs, and I thought to myself, did I get discovered? <laughs> like, is that what happened to me? Right. Like, did I get discovered in the New York subway? I, did, I don't know. But I, is that what you'd call it, you know? So let me ask you then, did you, were you... Were you trying to be discovered or trying to be a full-time subway therapist? Not really. Uh, starting from the very beginning, I almost feel like I was possessed with this mission that I wanted to explore absolution through action. And I think one of the great elements of performance art is that you go out into the world and you can explore an idea through doing something. And I was curious about how people feel better about the things they feel bad about. And so that was my number one. But while I was doing that, I was thinking about how it looked to other people, how people were, you know, absorbing any content I was creating. 
So I'd made an Instagram and I made business cards. I thought they were funny. <laughs> and <laughs> it was weird. I had business cards like two weeks before everything exploded. And uh, over a nine month period, I thought it would be really cool if, if somebody noticed it or noticed me doing something novel and then said like, you know what? I see what you're doing and you're doing a great, I think you're doing a great job. Here's a bunch of money. Like that, who would say no to that? Like that would be really cool. Yeah. But that's not something that I thought would happen. And that feels like the dream of that person that's singing in the subway. That, totally. I mean, yeah, that's somebody, the dream of anyone. That, somebody anyone, walks anyone. by and says, You've got what it takes to be right. a star, <laughs> and right. then and then like makes you one. Right? Like, how cool right. is that? But no, I was an aspiring voiceover artist that was narrating crappy audiobooks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you, you, I was just doing the bartending, dog walking, right. doing yep. my subway therapy thing that I was the most passionate about on uh -huh. the side, and then trying to make it in the voiceover world. And I didn't have an agent, and I didn't have um, even, I did not that good. <laughs> I didn't even necessarily have the ability. Uh. Uh, but I was passionate about it, and I was auditioning a lot, and not getting any jobs, and doing the yeah. normal yep. New York hustle thing, and then all get of a it. sudden, out of nowhere, this other thing happens. Yeah, And that was, you know. I don't know. My this life can, makes you, completely changed. Yeah, yeah. This is what makes you the greatest guest for Elemental is you're both a voiceover artist. <laughs> and a I don't know. Street performance artist. Yeah. Who's <laughs> like successful. Yeah, I don't know about like that. Our, but... our dream guest to bookend our series here on the first season. <laughs> totally agree. Keith. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know about that. It, it is funny though. So, um, so I guess tell us, um, what, where have you been? What have you been up to? I know you were overseas for a while. Yeah, I, not for very long, just for, I guess I was gone for like seven days. So um, the first book is finished, and it's coming out in October. Nice. On October 24th, uh, there'll be a, that's when the book is available for sale, so you guys can come to the book release or whatever. I don't know, yeah. like have a party or something We're like so that. But you guys Sophia. are obviously invited. We're so there. Are <laughs> yeah, you cool. kidding me? <laughs> and, 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 cool. And, and this book is just... The book is the, about the sticky notes. Is it mostly. about just the Union Square project or is it about your, your it's whole... It's about like work? the, you know, most of the notes that are in the book are from 14th Street, 6th Avenue and 14th Street, Union Square. Got it. And... Cool. It talks a little bit about why it is that I did what I did and what happened. Mm -hmm. And then it's mostly just the notes. I didn't really want to editorialize or write a lot of contextualization of the work because I've always been a fan of people just understanding it however they want to and taking whatever they take from it. So I'm excited about that. And then I'm working on a second book right now that's more towards a younger audience in middle school. Um, you know, I'm, like you said, I'm kind of like a one-man show right now. And I think that other people can do 
one person shows two. And so it's basically a step-by-step, this is how I did what I did, and here's maybe how you could plug and play your ideas into that formula to do something for your community as well. Because, yes, it can be seen as art, but it can also be seen as community activism. Another word for what I do is social practice. Uh, In my opinion, I'm just like a dude doing something that I think is important to me and maybe to one other person Mm -hmm. at any given time. Mm -hmm. Right, And and why not encourage more people to do that? Because... I was thinking about this last night. I was having a conversation with somebody who was telling me that, you know, I'm not an artist and what I'm doing isn't edgy or performance art uh, and it's like really vanilla and uh, doesn't matter, or, you know, whatever it is that they were thinking about. And in my mind, yeah, I'm doing something that's nice, you know, and I put myself out there and I, maybe it's not that risky to be a white guy in a suit in the subway talking to strangers. My mom certainly thinks it's risky. but (laughs) 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 Um, Maybe it's not that risky. My my mom thinks this podcast is risky. (laughs) Totally. I see what you mean. Um, Maybe it's... Hi, mom. (laughs) Mom. Maybe it's not that risky, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. Right. You know? I think that there's this huge misconception to me that in order to do art you have to be doing something crazy or on the edge or whatever it is that people think that you need to do and why not have what you do just be like yeah I'm going to do this small thing that's going to benefit my community if you encouraged everybody to do that some of those projects would probably take off or they just benefit you know all kinds of people would be doing all these different things in a variety of different communities that would affect the way other people are interacting with each other in those communities. That would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I'm trying to encourage people to do that through the second book. Anyway, uh, and then I went to Brooklyn. I went to Brooklyn. I went to Brussels. <laughs> um, artist Casper invited me to come and be there for the International Day of Happiness, which is on March 20th. And it also this is a thing. huh? This is a thing. The international. Yeah, I guess the, the the UN made this day. Really? Yeah, they, I know the nobody knows about it. In the, it's not in the U.S., is it? I don't know. I, I, mean, I international seems to imply that it is. It but. does. It it, <laughs> it yeah. seems like it would, but no one that I talked to in the states knew about yeah, it. Never heard mm-hmm, of it. Mm-hmm. And then nobody in the in Brussels knew about it either. Oh. At one point, somebody goes, they should hire you to advertise <laughs> and tell people about it. Well, this is the <laughs> official announcement yeah. <laughs> of the International Day of Happiness. Yeah. If you work at the UN and you need a spokesman for your <laughs> day, <laughs> get in contact with me. <laughs> Um, But it was really fun, and it did coincide with uh, the the anniversary of the terrorist attacks uh, in Brussels a year ago. And that was on the 22nd. On the train, right? It was in the the train train and at at one of the airports. And 
it was interesting because I faced this conundrum in my mind as a person where I thought it would be really arrogant to go and do subway therapy there with the express purpose of doing it on a day where people would be sad. Because maybe that was something that New York chose to do to express how they were feeling after a really tumultuous moment in time emotionally. But who am I to say that the people in Brussels want that form of expression to cope with something they're going through? And I thought I'd be like the American cowboy riding in to save the day, Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to be like that. Mm -hmm. And so I went on the 16th, and I did free advice in a big public square in front of uh, this place called La Bourse, which is, um, I guess it used to be a financial center, and I think they do art exhibition there now. And I just talked to people. I set up a sign that said free advice, and I sat there and I talked to people. And I told them what I was planning on doing on the 20th. I was going to do the sticky note thing. And what do, they th- what do you think about me sticking around for the 22nd, like, do you think that, do you want me to do that? And people almost unanimously were, were excited to have another thing that was happening mm. somewhere where people could express how they felt. And so I decided to do it on that day, and I did. It was great. It was so much fun. I, I, um, Brussels is an incredible place. It's diverse. It's interesting. It was awesome to be there. I'm very excited about where I'll travel next but I don't have that yeah. planned out yet. Yeah, yeah. Did they know who you were? Did they know about the yeah. project in New York? Some people did. Uh, not very many, but a few. And uh, 3,000 people wrote on sticky notes, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And no, people, do, people tend to not know who I am. Yeah, yeah. But every once in a while, people will... Or about the project. Have yeah. they seen the images from Union Square? Yes, that? people had okay. seen that there was some sort of sticky note thing, or uh-huh. some people would come up and say, like, oh, this is like what happened in New York. You're, you're doing that thing that that one person in New York did. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I love being behind the scenes. I, yeah. I think yeah. being in the spotlight is fun in, in a certain way, but kind of being um, hidden... It's really fun for me. Like when I'm in Union Square and I'm doing free advice, I have a sign that says free advice, and I also have another side of the project that I'm uh, calling Ask Levy. So I go by Levy while I'm doing the project. Right. And, uh, you know, some of the, the verbiage is like questions, curious, stressed, ask Levy. And <laughs> it could make a great advice column someday or <laughs> something like that. But, uh, you know, when I'm doing that, there's no subway therapy verbiage and there's no sticky notes around. And then people will talk to me and they'll be like, what do you do for your job? And then I'll be like, well, this is kind of my job now. And they'll be like, no way, how? And then when <laughs> I explain it to them uh, that I have like a book coming out and it's about the sticky note thing that happened. And sometimes people will be like, Oh my God, it's you! <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, I'll be like, I can't believe I'm meeting you right now, and I'm just, I'm just like, I'm just like a, yeah. be like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really funny experience. It feels very, very strange. 
I'm curious about your guys' show. So you guys have been <laughs> talking to people over the last six months, four months? How long have you guys um, how long has the show been going well, on officially? You know, we well we officially started January twenty second. Okay, yeah. right. Um two days after the inauguration. Right. Right. Um but we talked to you um in November. Right. Um so the project was an idea on election night. Um and then it became more of an idea when I reached out to you, mm -hmm. and then we eventually put together this full season. So I guess since really since January, but technically okay. since November. So your question, your like main question is, what's the purpose of art right now in this socio-political environment? Is that what you've been yeah. trying yeah. to explore? Or, yeah, and and um, and just like thinking. Um, the now more important than ever. Um, right. Even just that phrase is starting to become really interesting to me yeah. um, and bothersome to me that now whatever this is is the most important thing and I really question whether or not that's true. Sure. Um, and so as a white artist in New York City, I was mm -hmm. thinking, is art now the most important thing or should I be doing something else um, and having this kind of existential crisis? That's really, for me, the seed of the of the series. So I'm curious what you've discovered over the last three months. And it's also interesting that you mentioned that because I did an exhibition at uh, the, the um, ugh, I can't talk right now. <clears throat> I did an exhibition at the gallery at Arcadia University in Philadelphia, uh -huh. and. One of the curators there was wonderful to talk to and really framed a lot of things for me that helped me think about my work and what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And one of the things that he talked about was how, mon was how many artists took for granted being an artist over the last four to eight years because mm -hmm. they had no responsibility. They didn't have to make art to influence hmm. public opinion. Because it was like a, a nice time. You can make art about whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You didn't have to make art about anything. Mm -hmm. You just did whatever you wanted. But also, he said that kind of made people just spread out and not have any purpose. Just make an art to make it. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And he, in his opinion, after the election, it focused all of the people that felt like they were just making art for no reason. And it added an importance to what they were doing. It was necessary. And I wonder if you feel like that. Because you're making this podcast that's important to you guys, I hope. Mm -hmm. And it's probably important for your viewers or listeners. Mm -hmm. And what have you discovered? Is it important what you're doing? It, <clears throat> the thesis that is broad and existential has led me to something that is more specific um, and more tangible in terms of its goals. And so what Elemental did is provide lots of different possibilities of answers in order for me to be able to answer it uh, in the specific way that I think it should be answered in. Um, but I, I agree with you that there, that there was um, 
from every artist we've talked to, um, a sense of also looking for what's next and what we need to be doing now. The the common answer uh, has been uh, about getting art out of a gallery space and into um, the communities that it's going to make a difference in. And I love I, that you said that. <laughs> I, yeah, I... And I think especially as a theater person, I think about that because our work is naturally very elitist, even if we don't want it to be. And even though we're all poor, there is something about the venturing to go to a place that feels prohibitive to to some people. Um, And so, you know, I just, I've heard that from every single person. How do we, how do we do that? I'm not really sure, but it's worth the investigation. Right. Um, it's been so interesting for me to go into environments like Cornell University. I gave a lecture there to seven kids doing, <laughs> wow. doing a class on social practice mm-hmm. and the problem of objects. And you know, one of them's asleep. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The other six are quiet. And there's two teachers and me. And I'm thinking like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. like what is this? And it was a great experience. And I, I, I'm part of an exhibition there in the gallery. And half of it was sticky notes from Union Square and from 14th Street, 6th Avenue. About 2,000, you know, 1,000 or 2,000 of them on this L-shaped wall, and then on one side of the wall were notes. It was in the middle of the gallery space. On one side were the notes, and on the other side there was a participatory installation where there were sticky notes sitting on a table with pens and and you know, pencils, whatever. And people could write something and stick it on the wall. And it was just amazing how translating it into a gallery space changed the energy mm-hmm. of what it was. Totally. And, you know, even the, the woman who was curating it, she was wonderful to work with and amazing, but she thought about setting it up in the way a curator at a museum would set it up. And she had printed out these vinyl letters that oh she put on each sticky note that said, express yourself. Wow. Because I had told her that I wrote, express yourself, one letter at a time oh, on dear. individual sticky notes uh-huh. and then put them up on the wall next to the table. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> when I walked into the gallery space and I saw these oh, vinyl wow. letters that were put onto sticky notes and then put onto the wall. It feels like the like stack of sticky notes you'd buy at like a Target with like <laughs> Rose Art brand. Express yourself. It was just, yeah. It was. It, I don't know how I felt. It was. <laughs> I just had this really uh, strange feeling about it, mm-hmm. and I wanted to take them down immediately. Mm-hmm. And I, I did. I started taking them down to write new ones, and then I realized that she'd that worked feels really like the hard hardest on them. thing to do. I know, and then I realized that she worked really hard on them, mm. and that was okay. And I left them up there, mm. and then we had a conversation about it as a class. Mm. But okay, so I'm in the classroom. I'm talking to these seven kids, and one's asleep. And mm. so six, 
Uh, it's right. six. Yeah. <laughs> she woke up from time to time, which is fine. <laughs> six and a half. <laughs> six and a half. <laughs> and we're talking about what I did, and, and I told them, I said, I don't need to sit here and talk to you guys about what I did because I, I, I you know, I know. <laughs> if you guys want to know, I'll talk to you about whatever you want. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend like what I'm saying is interesting to you if it's not right. to you. And they still weren't really interested in dialogue. But about halfway through a three-hour class, uh, and after some discussion, I said, hey, why don't we just like go out and talk about it? Because I'm curious to hear what you think. And we go out there, and they're all kind of quiet. And we're looking at this L-shaped wall where there's maybe 50 sticky notes that people had written in over a two-week period. And I said, what do you guys think? Do you like it? Do you not like it? You know, what is it to you guys? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, to me, it looks like just some sticky notes on a wall. And it's kind of boring. And they were like, yeah, it's pretty boring. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. Let's talk about how we can make it better. Because in the subway, there's flow and there's tons of people. And there's this busy energy. And people can't really sit down and spend time thinking about what they're going to say. They just say something really quick. And that is really honest because people don't have time to fabricate what they're going to say and who's going to read it and why they're even doing it. They just do it. And then they walk away. And we took all the sticky notes down and we went into their student union and put all of them up in this, you know, corridor and left a bunch of sticky notes there and then walked away. <laughs> and it didn't, in my opinion, I don't think that that kind of interactive thing belongs in a gallery space. Because people walk into a gallery and the first thing they think is don't touch anything. Right, right. Yeah. And then you have this interactive I thing. I'm, I hate museums because there are <laughs> yeah. all of these prohibitions. I mean, I went to a, this, this museum once and there was a, a painting on the wall that had like a door that you could open on the painting. Yeah. And so I went up and opened it and got yelled at by the, by the docent. Right. And I was like, I'm just doing what it's inviting me to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. It's inviting yeah. me to, it's literally a door that I can open and I got yeah. yelled at for it. And I, and that, um, as a theater maker, that is really difficult when you can't engage with it. Right. Because you're always engaging with live performance. Yeah. You can't not engage. It's like literally a human standing in front of you. And so, um, I think it really is killer, and it, it reminds me of, um, you know, there's this uh, this playwright. His name is Mike Liu. He wrote this blog post like ten years ago that's been a kind of viral success for a, a while now. Where um, uh, arts education uh, won't save us from boring arts education. So more funding yeah. in the arts isn't necessarily a good thing. It's how we teach the arts. Right. Um, if the art is a boring thing that I can't touch and have to look at, removed from in a gallery, it's never going to do what it needs to do. Right. Um, it's never going to be this tool for training that you've talked about with these students. Like, how? What do you see? Mm-hmm. Just comment on what do you see. And I can I can relate to that as a teacher because, yeah. particularly millennials, of which we're all a part of, I think. Yeah. Um, um, aren't even trained in the simple question of what do you see? Totally. Just describe to me what you're seeing. Right. right Respond. Now. Respond to what this is. If you don't like it, cool. 
Like there's something about, there's something that's like impolite about saying you don't like the work. Well, what don't you like? What's not as successful about it? Because that starts the conversation. And so this criticism step is really something that um, is lacking um, in arts education. Um, and uh, I, don't, I don't really know how to deal with that on a, ma on a massive level, but I think that mm -hmm. the question that you've asked of these students is an important one. Um, just what do you see? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, I didn't talk about it. I don't care if they say they don't like it because I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't working. Right. And, but it shakes, it, it shakes their day a little bit. It shakes yeah. them up. It, yeah. it, it gets them out of sleeping in class to totally. realizing, and I, I love the question of like, what do you want out of this? Yeah. Because um, it flips the script on yeah. something that I think can feel really formal and, and not engaging mm -hmm. um, like a classroom setting can. Um, so. Yeah, for sure. I, and I also think, I mean, students, oh, a lot of people, but they don't want to be quote-unquote wrong, you know? That's, so I mean, they'd rather not say anything at all yeah. than have an opinion. I think you've actually nailed it. Yeah. Because that is, it's, is the challenge, is uh, that social media has inspired liking social media yes. has inspired the editing and so every yes. single thing you do in life can be edited filtered um, filtered all kinds of things like that out. yeah all that yeah. kind of stuff and so um when and standardized testing you know we're yeah. we're products of um no child left behind um which encourages the idea of testing um and so when you fill out bubbles on an exam and the answer is right or wrong um it really prevents the idea of uh, uh, the notion that there is no right or wrong. Totally. <laughs> um, right. That what it is is what's correct, and what you think it is is what's correct, but mm -hmm. the rightness or wrongness of the thing is irrelevant. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that that's how I got into art, actually, because as a as a young, you know, adolescent in school, I went to Catholic school for 10 years and it was very strict and the testing like freaked me out all the time. I was I wasn't very good at it, but when I was when I was opened up to like the creative world and the performing world, it just I had wiggle room to kind of to to explore what is and is not and and without judgment, you know? And I think that that's why I do what I do for sure because I have that freedom. I'm not afraid of like failing in my work, even though that's hard sometimes to swallow and deal with, but it's kind of part of the growth and the journey of it all too. Right? Uh, I talked yesterday to a young woman who asked me adv for advice on how she can deal with criticism mm -hmm. in the program that she's in in grad school. And... Uh, she was doing genetic counseling. And I told her, in our society, we are trained to always be successful. You're, and, and maybe this is just an American kind of structure, but all the time you have to be successful. You have to be busy all the time. You have to be like always doing something. And whatever you're doing has to be the thing you're the most passionate about. And you have your heart in everything. And you do, 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 whatever. You have to be happy all the time. And if you're not, you're depressed. And here's some pills for that. Yeah. And I don't really believe that. I think that 
you should feel good, and then sometimes you're going to feel terrible. And that makes the good things good because you have something to compare it to. And for her, my advice was, listen, you're learning. And in a learning environment, you should be doing poorly often. Failure is an essential <laughs> yeah. part of the learning yeah, process. You, yeah. You, you, yeah. you are in school and you're probably paying a lot of money yeah. so that you're working with a mentor who's your teacher who's going to help shape you into the best you, hopefully, that you can be. Right. It's the point that should be the yeah. point of education. Trademark. And I said, <laughs> when you finished with that reshaping, you can come back to the things that you think are really, really important. But you do what works classically first so that you can break or bend the rules later and be more individual, and that's what's going to make you really successful and stand out in the future. But for now, the point is for you to get criticism and then reshape what you're doing so you're doing the best job you can in that field. And then if you want to do more individual stuff later, that's great. I know what you're talking about, but yeah, yeah we kind of <laughs> no, <laughs> when I mean, we went off and ventured into you the, ask the us, teaching and learning yeah. podcast here, <laughs> but I love it. I mean, as a former educator, <laughs> we're all I educators. Could about, all I could talk about teaching forever. I, I, you know, but I think the arts and teaching is very intimately related. So I, mm-hmm. I don't hate that we've gotten here. Yeah. Uh, what were you going to say, Sophia? No, I mean, um, well, we started talking. You asked us like what we learned from doing yeah. the podcast and what did you learn Sophia? well <laughs> i mean i've definitely learned that art is many things i think that's the biggest thing that i've learned um but like you to our essential question like i don't know if there is an answer yet if if art is important now you know from now on more so than it was before um but also that I realized, so before the election, as an artist, I have a community that isn't seen a lot in the arts. And so that has always been a struggle, even before this. And so now, post-election, it seems important, but it doesn't seem more important in a way. It seems just as important as other things, too. And... um you know, I just feel like I've learned a lot about how my own community needs art. And I'm glad and proud that I'm in the position that I'm in to do that for my community, you know? I, I, I'm interested in that question, Sophia, because yeah. I, I wonder if it's more existential coming from, like, isn't it now more important than ever, coming from a white person um, who is able-bodied and all these kinds of things. Um, And I've heard a lot from members of uh, other communities um, that, like, like welcome to the party. It's it's always been a fight for me. Um, You're fighting now just as hard as I've ever fought. I wonder, do you feel like that at all as um, someone that's of color and differently abled? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think that I feel like yeah, like, welcome welcome to the party, or, you know, now you maybe see things that you haven't seen before in a different light. And also that, like, the struggle is always there. 
I think, you know, and it's like, I think that the struggles change, like the, the paths of the different struggles change, but they're always there because, I mean, we're all human beings and everyone grows up in different environments and with different people coming from all over. So, like, my interactions, they change every day, even though it's still, like, I don't know if what I'm trying to say, really, but my interactions every day are weird with people. I have weird interactions with people all the time, right? But it's the same thing that's happening. It's just different. With, because of different people, it's a different interaction, you know? So that's why it's like, yeah, nothing really has changed that much for me, uh, but I feel like the conversations are happening more or they're like kind of at the forefront of... Better conversations? Um, I think so, or at least like better uh, thinking more about it. Mm. So just like, like for me, I think awareness is just huge, no matter what, mm. you know? I think that awareness is how you start the learning, Hashtag right? woke. Yes, <laughs> hashtag woke, yeah. you know? And so I think that awareness is huge and like... In a lot of ways, that's like all I do is just spread awareness about my experience, which is an experience that most people don't have because I stand four foot one inch and every bathroom that I go to in a public space, I can't reach jack shit and I can't see mm -hmm. my face in a mirror, you know? So like I just share that with you and that's the experience mm -hmm. that I have and that's just spreading a little bit of awareness about my experience right now. There's so many other things like that everywhere. Like I, and, and, and I always say, like, my challenge or whatever, it's like everyone has a challenge. Everybody has one. So just bringing awareness to all of those things I think is so important, which is why I think art is the most effective way of doing that. Do you guys see me as an artist? Um, you don't see yourself as an artist. That's not what I asked. Though. I know, but I think <laughs> I know. I but I think that artist, the title of artist, is one that you get to elect for yourself. I don't know if I believe that. I do. Okay. I I agree okay. with that too. Actually, I do because I might I see what you do as artistic. I think you right. provide space for artistic thought and expression to happen. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that if you self-identify as an artist, I wouldn't put that label on you. Mm. Um, I mean, we talked to um, this woman in Flint who had lived there for right. 70 years, Mary Joyce Campbell. Shout out to Mary Joyce Campbell. Mary Joyce. Um, yeah. Wait, wait, um, wait. Married to what? Sorry, her name is, her name is Mary Joyce. Oh, I'm Not sorry. Married to, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> married to, sorry. Married to what? <laughs> you know, and, and she I explicitly asked her, you know, do you think that you're an artist? And she doesn't identify as an artist, yet right. she spent her entire life working to create a better community than the one that she saw before her. Right. Um, setting up block parties and parades and um, cookouts and right. um, organizing, you know, other artists to work together. But she doesn't self-identify as an artist, and sure. I'm not going to label her that. But um, because she sees herself as something that's different than that. Mm -hmm. But maybe similar, she has a, she has a narrower definition of what art is mm -hmm. um, because right. she thinks it's a painting on a wall. Um, yeah, yeah. And she can think that. That's fine. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, but she can have a more broader term. Uh, yeah. And if you don't self-identify, then I wouldn't. I don't know that I would say. What do you think? Yeah. Coming I mean, into our conversation today, were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk. We're gonna, you're telling your friends. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna talk to this artist later, <laughs> which is totally fine. I I'm very okay with it. It's yeah. not. I, I mean, I'm I'm still figuring out what to say about myself when people ask uh, me what I do and why sure. I do it. I feel the same way as a theater person too because we're Me constantly too. sort of confronting the notion that people have of what the theater is because it's right. either Broadway or like that shitty play they saw in high school and there isn't any like in between. Yeah. That's what I feel as a theater maker in terms of the definitions of something. Yeah. Um, but Yeah, no, I agree response. with both of you. I mean, I like I hate calling myself something, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, sure. um, but I, yeah, like I guess I'm definitely me personally comfortable with the term artist for mm-hmm. myself. But yeah, I mean, I, like Keith said, I think I think you're an artist. I think that what you do is create, you know, space for that artistic expression. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, agreed. Like if you didn't call, if you don't want to be called an artist then that's fine. Yeah. Then you're your name, you know, yeah. and that's who you are. I think I'm kind of leading you guys into what I really want to say, <laughs> which is <laughs> lead away. Yes. <laughs> You know, I don't call myself an artist because I don't like it or because it makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't say I'm an artist because for other people, I think it creates a divide between me and them. As if being an artist separates me from normal people. Mm. And what I do is impossible for a normal person. I don't believe that. I think anybody could go out and set up a table and chairs and set up a sign that says something and be a part of their community. So this brings up the other thought that, you know, maybe we should think about drawing this to a close in a second, but this brings up the, my, my other thought that is something that I've learned. Um, you know, I kind of think that art is, and being an artist, is a position of privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I'm not on the front lines of anything. I'm not getting pelted with a water cannon at Standing Rock. Yeah. So I can sit here in a warehouse space in Brooklyn and I can sit and I can talk about it on right. a microphone. And that's privileged. Um, uh, but then I think that we heard a sort of violently um, antithetical statement to that last week on the podcast uh, with um, arts organizers from 350.org who worked on the climate march um, who just said that they're vehemently opposed to the idea that art is about privilege, Hmm. um, that art is about activism, um, and that it is for the disenfranchised to have their voices be heard. But But they are artists, and so you're saying that the artist makes you feel disconnected, where I think for them the idea of being an artist that's disconnected is inherently problematic Mm. Um, and if you feel disconnected as an artist maybe you're not speaking to the right audience or something no I think Uh, I think maybe uh, the opposite is what I'm saying yeah I don't feel disconnected by calling myself an artist I'm saying if I say I'm an artist it disconnects me from who I'm talking to Mm -hmm. and that could be a a liberal salesperson that could be uh, someone who works at a desk job who's conservative. It could be anybody. It yeah. doesn't matter who I'm talking to. There are groups of people that I interact with that when I say I'm an artist, 
They say, oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, then yeah. That, and then they can wash their hands of it. Well, I wonder done. if that's, I wonder if that's again the semantics thing of like what people think an artist is a painting on a wall right. that is privileged right. and gets to have that job. Or, you know, this woman in Flint yeah. who like literally is getting lead poisoning by taking a shower. Yeah. Right. You know, like that doesn't feel privileged and right. she doesn't feel privileged. Right. Right. Um, so, um, but do you think that, um, like if, if anybody can set up a table and chair and, and do what you do, like do you think that they would have the same quote-unquote success that, that you've hit now? Because I feel like, you know, you've probably gotten to where you are because you are who you are. Right. And because I think, quite honestly, you're good at what you're doing. Sure. You know? You are listening to people and giving advice right. in, in a wonderful, humble way. And that's what people love. And that's why you've gotten the claim you've gotten, yeah. I believe, you know? And, and also, it's like, is, that, is there any difference than saying, oh, well, then I'm an accountant. You know, when someone says they're an accountant to me, I'm like, well, good for you. I, 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 know, I was I just don't know, talking no. to my friend who's studying accounting. I was like, that's amazing. Right. <laughs> I think that's it does really sound cool. amazing. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, I'm just throwing that out there as, like, yeah. a thought, you know, but... Uh, like that label of artist or that label of sure. an accountant, like occupation, yeah. what have you, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily encourage people to do what I do. <laughs> I've also spent yeah. years, I mean, probably my entire life in service of other people. I, starting when I was in middle school, I was a peer counselor. Where I took like this course on how to talk to my peers about some fight that they're having, and then yeah. you know I've always been involved in some way in like a counseling whatever yeah. setting. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Just trying to help other people. Right. And that's it. You know, something that was so funny to me when I was doing my project is uh, people come up to me and they're like, "Why are you doing this?" And I go, "Oh, you know, it's fun, <laughs> and uh, I think it's important." For people to connect to each other, and they're like, "No, no, no!" But like, why are you doing? It? Like, are you yeah. are you a student at NYU? And I'm right, like, "No, yeah. I'm not a student." And they're like, "They're all crazy." Yeah, they're like, <laughs> you know, they they ask me like three or four questions, and they are all along the lines of, "Why are you doing why, this?" Why, why? And when it gets to this point where I'm like, "No, it's not a project. No, I'm not a student. No, it's not art." And I and then do they this get for a to, living. Yeah, and they're like, you know, <laughs> no, I'm not doing it for money. And they get to this point where they just can't fit it into some box that they want right. to put it in. Right. And then they, and that's when it's valuable to them. They're like, mm -hmm. oh, this is cool. <laughs> but it's not cool until then. Sure. And like, Isn't that's that really funny? shitty. Like, yeah. That's really terrible, <laughs> you know, uh, that I only an NYU student would do something like that or only an artist would sit at a table and talk to strangers or yeah. only somebody who's trying to make money or hustle would be out there putting themselves out there engaging with the public that's terrible like that's that's shouldn't be like that i don't do what i do because i'm hopeful i do what i do because i think the world's a really terrible place mm. it's as simple as that you know, I, I think of anyone people look at me and like yeah you should be really optimistic and i'm not Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm not. I Same. think that I'm not the main character of the show. 
I'm, this isn't me as player one. I'm like player two. I'm the support character because people need support <laughs> and, and I want to be there for them. And I don't know what the future is going to be like. You know, I do feel very privileged to be white and a man and from, like, you know, a, a middle-class family that's not rich but not poor either. And I was loved. And, you know, so what? I'm not, I'm not going to, like, not do anything because of that. I'm going to try and give that to other people. And, you know, I, you know when you were saying um, art is about activism... I think of people who are like fighting the good fight and you know fighting for what they believe in and I don't know I'm I guess I'm not like a fighter I'm like a healer or like a support character somebody who's like you know when you're done fighting you come and talk to me yeah. <laughs> I'll help you go on the next thing yeah. you know I don't know I I have so many curiosities about what the future is going to look like I just hope that I can be helpful to other people so they can keep doing what they want to do. Great. Scary. We live in a Great. scary time. Yeah. We've always lived in a scary time. It's not like new. Right. <laughs> Life is the worst. <laughs> like the human existence. What a tortured, yeah. awful thing to participate in. Yeah. <laughs> it's so It can be great, but it can be terrible. Yeah. You know, love, relationships. What a, what, is that? what a curse. What a curse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like people yeah. talk to me about that a lot. They just, yeah. It can be the best, yeah. but it's the worst, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having Thank me. Thank yeah. you. I love chatting you. with you guys. Thanks As you know, so I'm very garrulous and you talk forever. <laughs> Yeah. It was good. It was oh. good. Yeah. We had a good chat. Have good fun chat. editing that. Yeah. <laughs> Evan's very Evan. hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's that's the end of season one. Yeah. The mental podcast. Congratulations, you guys. I feel, I feel so. Uh, we made it to the end. Special to we be here and to see it at the beginning and at the end. Yes. That's awesome. Right. Thank right. you. Right. So, Elemental is produced and co-hosted by myself, Keith Palmadellis, with co-host Sophia Cheyenne and our special guest this week, Matthew Levy-Chavez. Be sure to follow us on Instagram for a visual component to this week's episode. We're also on Twitter at ElementalCast. Same with our Instagram. And for one last final time... Yes, let's, let's make, make some, some art. art. <laughs> is that all we need? We're cheesy, I love it. We've been here for so long. Cheese is great. <laughs> <laughs>